Please stand, if you are able, from a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. Please read with me the verses in bold. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be a great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors here, uh, and I'm a little sore today. Uh, we, I don't know if you know, but our youth played a game of um, flag football yesterday. And I will tell you, I did not make any tackles. I did not get tackled. I just ran up and down very slowly, and I'm extremely sore this morning. 
That's my confession this morning. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you, Mia, for putting that on yesterday for our youth and some of our adults who came out and, and played. And I will just tell you, Mia can do everything. She can play every instrument, and I think she can play every sport. And so we're glad to have her on our staff. <clears throat> well, this morning, we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 25. Over the past uh, three months or so, we have been knee-deep in the gospel of Luke, marveling at the life and ministry of Jesus, you might say that each week has been like a sequel, a new story extending the story of the previous week. Well, this morning we're moving backwards in the book of Luke. If you were with us when we began the sermon series, you may recall that we skipped over a large section of chapter 1 and chapter 2 of this book. Our intention was to come back to it Today, the first Sunday in Advent. Over the course of the next four weeks, we'll spend time looking at these two chapters and the various characters that are introduced. In the beginning, you might say, something like a prequel to our sermon series. Now, if you are a movie buff, or even if you're not, you may be aware that we are experiencing a golden age for prequels. The popular thing for movie writers has been to come up with a prequel as opposed to a sequel that gives us the early lives of main characters or establishes new timelines or develop a backstory that adds depth to a movie that has already been released. And if you're into prequels, you can find your fair share of them on Disney+. Plus. One of my favorite prequels, again, I have a few, but one would be, uh, again, which Pixar does not do much of is, actually, I don't know if they've done any except for Monsters University. It takes the main characters of Sully, James P. Sullivan, and Mike, Mike Wazowski, I love how that name sounds, from the original Monsters, Inc. movie and takes us back to Mike and Sully as college students. They enroll in the scaring program at Monsters University, and while Brad quotes the likes of C.S. Lewis, he did that last week, I share with you the tagline from this movie, before they were incorporated, they were educated. I don't know, I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> Well, this morning, we too are digging a little bit into the origin story, a little deeper into the original cast of characters. And if you're, you're keeping notes, chapters 1 and chapters 2 are not prequels, at least not by definition, as they had been there all along. I just think it's fun that we are now coming back to these sections as we come to Advent this beautiful season of the Christian calendar. And again, if you follow the Christian calendar, this is the first Sunday of the new year. We'll come back to it again next year. Well, this morning, as well as for the next five weeks, we'll take a deeper look at the cast of characters that mark the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. And this morning, we're introduced to a man named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. So as we look at these, uh, this couple, what do we know about them? First, Luke gives us the political context 
the time frame of these events. It happens during the reign of Herod the Great. The text also tells us that Zechariah is a priest. He has a wife named Elizabeth, and both can trace their ancestry all the way back to Aaron. If you remember Aaron, he is the older brother of Moses, the head of the Israelite priesthood. Only descendants from the line of Aaron could serve as priests in Israel. And so both uh, Zach and Liz, <laughs> I thought that was funny too, uh, <laughs> come from this priestly line. The book also tells us that they were righteous. They were a godly couple who walked blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. They had been faithful to God for many years. They loved the Lord, and they followed Him, and they lived their life according to the law of the Lord. But the one fact, as we read through this, that the, reader does not, the, the writer does not want us to miss is that they are childless. Because Elizabeth is barren, and they are well advanced in years. They were past childbearing age. You can almost hear the, the lifetime of heartache behind those words. Commentator Philip Graham Ryken writes, Any woman who has ever wanted a child knows what Elizabeth must have endured. The prying questions, the insensitive remarks, the sharp pain of desire for someone else's baby, the nagging doubts about the goodness of God. But for Elizabeth, there was something even worse, the suggestion that somehow this was all her fault. In ancient Hebrew culture, barrenness was considered a disgrace, uh, even a punishment. Now, some believe that if a couple could bear no children, they were being punished by God. And again, you may remember stories of the Old Testament, stories about Sarah, or stories about Rebecca, or stories about Hannah, or, or stories about Leah. It's hard enough not hard enough not having a child, but the reproach of the people around her thinking she was ungodly was more than she could bear. And I believe that's the reason why Luke includes these words, careful to add that they were righteous and blameless. And even in their old age, they prayed for God to give them children. And we know this because of what the angel Gabriel says to them. You know, again, in the ancient culture of, uh, of Israel, Zechariah could have solved the problem by divorcing Elizabeth, a common practice in those days. He could have ditched his aging wife and married a younger woman who would give him children. And that was uh, the route many men took. Instead, Zechariah remained faithful to Elizabeth, and he evidently never stopped praying for a baby. And that prayer, we know, was never answered. That is until now. We're told in verse 8 that when the time came, it was Zechariah's division that was on duty. And according to the custom, verse 8 of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. Again, historians tell us that there were approximately uh, fifteen to 20,000 priests. Some say as many as 85,000 priests uh, who were there in Israel to burn incense. And so if you can imagine... Uh, it takes a while to get your turn. So historians tell us that there were, again, this many uh, priests in the first century. They were organized into 24 divisions, so each would serve twice a year, one, time, uh, one week at a time, 
But the highest honor was bringing incense into the holy place where it would be sprinkled on the burning coals of the golden altar. It was such a high privilege that priest would only perform that ceremony once in his lifetime. And so Zechariah was coming to this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The greatest moment of his pastoral career. And he walks in, and standing on the right side of the altar of incense is the angel Gabriel. Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine how terrified Zechariah is? What would you even say if you saw an angel? He's terrified beyond words. And the angel says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. As a priest, he was praying for the salvation of the people Israel, but he was also praying for a child. And the angel assures him that his prayer has been heard. And before Zechariah can say a word, Gabriel adds some details. And again, verses 14 through 17, John will be a joy and a delight to you. He will bring joy to many. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will not drink wine or or strong drink. He'll be filled with the spirits, the Holy Spirit from the womb. He will turn many to the Lord. He will serve like Elijah. He will prepare people for the coming of the Lord. His name will be John, meaning Yahweh who is gracious. What a fitting name. Let me pause here for a moment and ask the question, why this story? Why does Luke include this in the first chapter of his gospel? And for us, why this story as we begin Advent? We all know the big birth story of Jesus, but before we get to that, Luke spends many verses around the circumstances of the conception and the birth of John the Baptist. In fact, Luke chapter 1 spends more time talking about John the Baptist and his parents than about Jesus. Strange. What's so important about John the Baptist? Yes, he was a strange prophet who did strange things, who had a memorable ministry. The Bible tells us that he was the forerunner, the herald sent ahead to announce the coming of the Christ. In the prophecies of the Old Testament, God promised that before the Messiah, a messenger would prepare the way. So Luke wanted to start at the beginning, a prequel so to speak. The angel said that his birth would bring great joy. And joy, again, if you know and read through the book of Luke, is one of the, the prominent themes of this particular gospel. And perhaps this is the first hint of the joy the, the gospel brings. It is the beginning of greater things to come. Luke chapter 1 is preparation Luke chapter 1 is anticipation. Luke chapter 1 is prepping us for the angel's message to Mary that starts in verse 26 that Pastor Brad will get to next week. And Advent is just that. 
Advent is the season of preparation for the celebration of the coming of Christ at Christmas, but it is also the hope of Christ's promise to return. So why a story about an elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth? Why a story about a child who would be born to them a forerunner? Zechariah would be the father of the forerunner because, again, I think they and John would serve as an emblem of Advent. They would serve as a symbol of what is yet to come. And if his son was the forerunner, know this, the fulfillment is on its way. The opening act always tells us that the headliner is about to come. Whenever you're about to get a package from Amazon, you'll get a little ding <laughs> on your phone that your package is nearby. You know, we celebrate Advent and we celebrate it early. I mean, it's not even December yet, but look around and you know that Christmas is right around the corner. We see the garland and the wreaths and the trees all say something about something that's coming. A Christmas Eve, a big celebration for, for believers. You see, Advent is just that it's, it makes us wait a little longer. It has us anticipating. It has us expecting. It has us counting down. I mean, when we were younger, we do that with our birthdays. We count down to that day when our birthday will finally come and and Christmas is just that. The Christmas Eve celebration is just that. The coming of Jesus is just that. And John the Baptist is, a, is an emblem. He is a symbol. He's a sign of what is yet to come. He's, he's showing us that there's something greater, a headliner. So why a story about an elderly couple? Because the fulfillment is on its way. Jesus is coming. And Jesus is coming again. When Zechariah has his turn to speak, he says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Again, this is the question that gets Zechariah in trouble. To be honest, it's the question that you and I would ask, right? It's the question, kind of question any man his age would ask. Zechariah had his doubts, and to quote Reichen again, he says, the man without a child did not believe the angel with the gospel, and because of his unbelief, he became a man without a voice. Zechariah did not believe his wife could get pregnant and bear a child. Certainly, he had good, logical reason biological reasons for concluding it was impossible. Just think about it, right? I mean, young couples have babies and old couples do not. And to put this in comparison with the story that follows this one, how is it different than the question that Mary asks the angel six months later? If you remember that story, again, we'll get to it next week. Mary will ask, how will this be? Again, the same angel, the same angel Gabriel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? 
She also adds, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Both are difficult. Both are biologically impossible. If we compare Zechariah to Mary, we are left with a question like this. Which one is harder to believe? That an older couple, well past childbearing years, should have a child? Or a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son? Which one is more difficult? My answer is yes. But there is a subtle difference between the two. I think while Mary wanted understanding, Zechariah wanted proof. Perhaps Mary asked from a place of wonder and faith, for she responds, whatever you say, Lord, while the other is asked in unbelief. So Zechariah's question really is, why would I believe something preposterous like this? Why would I believe that? In verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because, again, here the angel says, you did not believe my words. And then in verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remaining mute. And when his time of service had, was, was uh, ended, he went to his home. Uh, I, I love this section. I, I really do. Because uh, as I was looking at some of the commentaries, uh, there was this uh, funny interaction, again, between uh, the way they explained it between uh, the angel Gabriel and Zechariah. And I just, I, I'm going to add this here because uh, I'm a dad. But do you ever hear your children say, I'm hungry? And then you respond by, as a parent saying, uh, hi, hungry, I'm Daniel. <laughs> I, I know it's a, it sounds more like a dad joke, but that's what's happening here. I love this interaction between Zechariah and the angel. I mean, there's a similar formatting to this conversation. And Zechariah says, I'm old. And you can almost imagine the angel saying, hi, old, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> Zechariah says, I'm old, and the angel responds with the exact same format. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Good news. Another word for gospel. And here for the first time, Luke uses these words that will be repeated over and over again throughout the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. In Luke chapter 3, so with many other exhortations, he preached of, of Jesus, he preached the good news to all the people. And over and over again throughout the book of Luke, again, here is this good news of great joy. And this good news wasn't just for Zechariah and for Elizabeth, but for the nation of Israel and the entire world, Jesus was coming to save. And when God announces good news, it always comes true. And the angel said that all the promises would be fulfilled at the right time. 
when God speaks this through his messenger, through his angel, it speaks to God's character. He is a promise keeper. God never abandons his covenant to his people. And guess what? Nine months later, the baby arrives right on time. Just like Gabriel had said. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept, kept herself hidden, saying, verse 25, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I'm going to quote something. Uh, I'm going to quote a, a famous theologian here, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was a German theologian and, and pastor during the time of uh, World War II. Uh, he says this about Advent. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled. Troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. It's typical, I think, for Luke to notice what the gospel means for hurting people. Here he shows us what good news was for Elizabeth. The gospel was for the nations, but it was also for people like her, a woman upon whom God had looked upon with grace. The gospel is for those who are aching in soul. Advent is for people who struggle in, in life, waiting for something greater yet to come. That this can't be all there is. The season for Advent has us longing and searching deep within our soul and knowing things like cancer sucks. You know that death? When will there be an end to death? You know, we think about troubles and, and hardships in life. I mean, we think about all the different things that weigh us down and the things that we hear on the news and we think about all the, all the things that happen around us with, uh, with shootings and, and we hear all these news, uh, these stories of, of, of horrific things on the news and, and our heart aches and, and Advent always brings us to that fact that something greater is still yet to come. And so it's typical for Luke to look at all the hurting people in the, the 24 chapters of the book of Luke, to look at the, the marginalized, to look at those who are hurting and, and down in the pits, those who, who die. And there are two stories in the book of Luke where they die and come back to life. My friends, the book of Luke is for people like you and me who need a gospel story who need good news, that there's something far greater that's still coming. The Advent story is not just a way for us to look back and remind ourselves of what happened 2,000 years ago, though it does. But the season of Advent, it has us expecting and longing for the return of Jesus when he comes back for us. 
If you've ever watched the Star Wars film, then you've probably picked up on a common motif in the movie series. If an orphan shows up, then he or she is probably the eventual hero and is probably going to be a Jedi. Well, in the Bible, there are certain common motifs as well, and one of them is this. If a barren woman comes to the scene, no matter how old she is, she's likely going to conceive a child by the will of the Lord, and her son will be significant in the salvation of uh, the history of God's people. And the motif has roots all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God promised the serpents that Eve's offspring, not just one child, but a chosen people would crush his head. Barrenness throughout the Old Testament was always a threat to the continuation of Eve's offspring, but God always remembered his promises and provided or preserved his chosen people that, again, from the seed of Eve, of Adam, would come and crush the serpents, the head of the serpents, and that Jesus would ultimately prevail. That's the gospel story. In every work of God, there is a great purpose. There is always perfect timing and a story being written. My friends, God never makes mistakes. And God is never late. He loves to surprise and terrify and delight. He pours out on us individually and he pours out on uh, his, uh, his, his mercies uh, to the church, and all the while he's molding and shaping nations and, and all of history, he's working out his purposes, his, his will. And my friends, as we read this particular story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can be sure of this, that God will always do what he says he will do. What a wonderful season to celebrate.